It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I want to welcome to the program. This is our uh, first full show airing on uh, WCCO in Minneapolis, a 50,000-watt flamethrower which uh, lights up the Midwest. And uh, when you're thinking of Minnesota, there's, to me, one person that immediately springs to mind. That is my friend, a guy that's a real innovator, the guy, a guy that has one of the most fascinating life stories ever ever, and that is a man who's not only a best-selling author, man who's become very well-known as a political activist these days, but a guy who is uh, the founder and CEO of MyPillow, my friend Mike Lindell. Mike, it's great to talk to you again. How you been? I've been great. Thanks for having me on, Frank. Mike, uh, a lot I want to get into you, uh, w- w- get into with you in a, in a sh- relatively short amount of time. But this might be the first time a lot of folks are hearing you and your story. Obviously, everybody knows who you are from the commercials and so on and so forth. But I read your book. The book is fascinating. I knew some of the stories that you talked about in your book even before that. You were not long ago. A crack addict. How did you make the transition from being a crack addict to being the inventor of one of the most successful consumer sleeping products of all time? Well, you got to go back to uh, um, I was very much uh, from the early or late late 70s and early 80s, a uh, uh, very functioning addict. I think people look at addiction and they go, well, that's just people in the streets that uh uh, homeless or whatever, and uh, um, but that's not true. It's uh, you know I had a very very successful businesses, and I raised a family twenty years. We have four kids, and uh, it doesn't matter how many forks you eat with, addiction mm. can affect anyone. And and uh, so you got into it with cocaine. It got through. I owned a bar for thirteen years, so it was very probably not a good place for an addict. But <laughs> uh, um, we. Uh, we, uh, I was into cocaine. That switched to crack cocaine in the right around the year 2000, and um, I ended up selling the bar in 2003, and then I invented my pillow in 2004. And so, in 2004, I was turned down. I took a year to invent the pillow. I was turned down at the, all the box stores. That's come full circle, by the way. Um, <laughs> we'll and, we'll uh, get into that. Believe me. Yeah, and then, uh, but but I had the pillow, and I came and uh, um, I started. I was turned on ever, so I did kiosks and home shows for for years. At at the same time, having on another parallel track, deep into addiction with crack cocaine, um, uh, lost a twenty year marriage, and uh, but God protected that 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 the business of my pillow, and. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be high, obviously, at the shows, and I could, could separate the two. And um, But uh, actually, in 2008, um, the drug dealers actually did an intervention on me in, in Minneapolis. Um, downtown Minneapolis, I'd been out for f- about 14 days. I came out of the room, and all three of them were standing there. Well, the Mike, uh, I, I, I just want to pause and get you to reiterate what you're saying here, because I, it may come, some people are listening as they're half asleep. They may be listening quickly as they're driving home somewhere, because what you said is pretty remarkable just now. You were uh, in the midst of crack addiction, and you said the people that did an intervention for you and an intervention on your behalf were the drug dealers? The drug dealers were actually trying to get you off drugs? 
Yeah, yeah, this uh, this quite a that's quite a night story, and they. But I came out of the bedroom, and they're all three standing. Now they knew of each other, but they had never met. And they each, each controlled sections of the city, and they, and they. One guy says, uh, "You've been up for fourteen days, and uh, and uh, we're cutting you off." And I said, "What is this an intervention?" They go, "Call it whatever you want, Mike." And the, the one guy left, and the other guy um, who went down the streets must have got the word out. Well, then the other guy sat there. Um, Ty sat there, and I sat in the chair. He said, "How much crack you have left?" And I showed him, and and uh, I started smoke, you know, smoking what I had left. And I ended up running out. I was carpet farming and scraping the pipe. And I look over, and he had fell asleep. And I was two thirty in the morning. I slipped down to downtown Minneapolis, and I went into the streets to get crack. And I could nobody would sell it to me. I, they had gotten the word out. I came back an hour later, all defeated. And walked in, and he was awake. He's sitting up for me. He said, "How'd that work out for you?" And I was so upset. And he goes, <laughs> "He goes, give me. He goes, give me that. Give me your phone. You know, I'm going to take a picture." He took a picture, and he said, "Man, you've been telling us for years that you're going to quit someday and come back and help us all out of this addiction world we're living in." And he said, "We're not going to let you die on us." He said, "You take that picture for that book you're going to tell us you're you've been telling us you're going to write someday." Well, I was kind of like their hope, I guess. And by the way, two of them work for me now, and they're born again Christians. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, yeah, and it, and but he, I didn't quit. Then it was a year later, by the grace of God, on January sixteenth, two thousand nine, I quit everything. Overnight, I prayed to God I would never have the desire again, and I woke up. It was a miracle there; the desire was gone. And then, uh, but during that whole time, now my pillow then was just a little dot on the, you know, I had. The shows, my business had been taken, a lot of betrayal by other people that I broke bread with. And uh, so I spent two years kind of getting my getting it back, you know, the home shows and fairs that they had taken with this copycat pillow. Well, then in 2011, I, um, I said, you know what? I said, uh, I told my friends and family, I said, I have a dream of an infomercial. We're going to be the biggest in the world. Well, I didn't know infomercials don't work. They're just to go into the box stores to brand, you know, cheaper branding to go into the box stores, which didn't want us anyway. Well, we pulled our money, and in August of 2011, we went to film that, and we they brought in a real producer from from uh, California, I guess, and 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 I wanted to dream of a live audience, and I had really I couldn't talk in front of people, and I in my book I said, you know, I, I had a fear of rejection. I'd come out of addiction and stuff, and and they. And it was, you don't get rejected if you don't talk. Well, I I would do great at home shows and stuff with a table in front of me, but I step out behind that table and I would be very almost introverted shy. Well, I, we, we go to do this, our reads the night before this infomercial and I, and we're reading off the, you know, our script and the guy texts the other guy, the producer and says, this is the worst guy I've ever seen. He'll never make it on TV. The other guy texts him and said, just be, just let it go. He's paying you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, then the next, the next day I get down and I, I walk out and our live audience is there. And I just was petrified. I couldn't talk. And an hour and a half went by to say one line. And I said, could we please bring in a table and take away the teleprompter? I just want to do it naturally. Like I did at the shows and, and we did it, and um, I had tw- it aired October 7, 2011. The middle of the night was our first airing ever, and I had about 10 employees, and 40 days later, I had 500, and we had the number one infomercial in the world by the end of December, and, 
you know, here we are now, 83 million my wow. pillows later. Oh, my goodness, that's imp- incredible. Now, everybody over the last decade that's seen a my pillow commercial, they see your smiling face, they see you wearing the uh, the chain with the crucifix on it, they see you and your your mm-hmm. famous mustache, and they hear you and your ebullient endorsement of your pillow. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. Now, Mike, explain to me kind of your marketing strategy in why you chose to be not just in the infomercials, but the commercials yourself. Obviously, you could have uh, hired an actor even more famous than right. you, and uh, he could have delivered whatever lines you wanted him to deliver. Why do it yourself? That was sort of, I mean, other people had done it, uh, the hair club for men guy, for instance. But uh, other right. than that, it was it was relatively rare to be the go-to guy for your own right. product. Why were you your own pitch man? Well, that's an, that's uh, that's a good a good point. But here's what happened: by the summer of 2014, our original infomercial had fatigued, and we had made so many mistakes in 2012. We had everything was hired out and. I pulled and I woke up one day at the end of 2012. We were like six million dollars in debt, and I'm going. And so all these mistakes had been made. And what I did then is I I took went to a new marketing thing where everything had its own promo code and one eight hundred number, so you could track the success of each individual spot. Well, that was that worked fine with that half hour infomercial, but then when that fatigued. We needed to make a one-minute commercial. Then we tried a one-minute commercial, and it failed miserably. And that was October of 2014. And this gal, this gal said to me, she came up in one of uh, that worked for me. She said, "You know, you need to be in the commercial." I said, "Well, it said, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think that was that that would make a difference." And and I so I went ahead and went in it and. It was like 10x. It was, you know, and I think that's that's because, you know, just because I had so much passion for it, for the my pillow because it worked. It helped me. I just wanted to um, spread spread the word. And I think it's kind of like when I do like radio hosts or anyone in the country that sells my pillow. I will have I will fit them with the pillow, have them sit so you believe in the product. Then the passion just comes through in the in the in anything. Uh, you're selling. I would never sell anything that I didn't believe in. Um, period. I mean, if I, uh, but when I believe in something, I don't ever stop. I get behind it. So I think that's you know that was why it was mm. like it was kind of out of at first just out of necessity. It was kind of like, well, we'll try that the one last chance and. And it just exploded. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Mike Lindell. He is the inventor of MyPillow. You can go to MyPillow.com, see all the great products that they have available on there. Now, Mike, when I I first met you, you were largely non-political. You would go on any show that wanted to have you, and you would, uh, you know, liberal shows, conservative shows, non-political shows, and you would talk about pillows, you would talk about your story, variety of other things. By the way, if people are interested in Mike's story, they should check out his book. The book's called What Are the Odds? 
It's available um, on Amazon or on MyPillow.com, really wherever books are sold. It's a great, great story. Uh, and it's a lot more than just a business memoir. But then you really went gung-ho into being for Donald Trump. Now, Michael Jordan used to say that the reason he didn't get political is because both Democrats and Republicans bought sneakers. Well, obviously, both Democrats and Republicans buy pillows. The, the safe thing for you to do would have been not to say who you're voting for and just keep selling pillows to Democrats and Republicans. Give me your uh, rationale, Mike, for why you okay. chose to be out, so outspoken on behalf of Donald Trump. Well, um, here's, what, here's what happened. I had never voted before in my life. I didn't know a Democrat from Republican. I was a crack addict. I was an ex-addict. I didn't think politics mattered one bit. Well, then, you know, it it got to uh, into 2015 and 16. And when Donald Trump came down that escalator, um, I, you know, I started paying attention. He's here's this guy running for president that's actually, uh, you know, run this big company. He's very this famous uh, entrepreneur. And I had never seen his uh, apprentice or any of that stuff. I, everybody just knew his name and the success, the American dream there. Well, by a divine appointment, by the summer of 2016, all of a sudden I got invited by him to come to New York City uh, and, and meet with him. And he, on August 15th of 2016. So I went out there to meet him. It was just him and I in his office. And I walked in and he said, uh, Mike, he goes, I always see you wear your cross on TV. Are you a Christian? I said, yes, Mr. Trump, and this is a divine appointment. But but I wasn't nervous. It was pretty amazing. And and he had no agenda. He he just asked me, he goes, you know, I want to know, how is it you're making all your pillows here? How does that work? Because I want to bring the manufacturing back. And and they told me, whatever you do, don't tell me you're a crack addict. Well, I go, you know, I go, sir, I was a crack cocaine addict. And I said, I'm going to have this network. So my or um, the Lindell Recovery Network is going to help addicts. It's going to be free online and help addiction across the country. And he goes, you know, and he goes, I'm going to close that border and stop the drugs from pouring in. So it's this great. I I was listening to him. It was like problem solution. I go, this guy. I walked out of his office 40 minutes later. There's no agenda that he had whatsoever, other than I could see his passion, wanting to help the country. And he was here's he asking me stuff about. You know, like, here's this guy from Minnesota, this ex-crack addict, and I'm going, wow. And it really seemed like he, that he mattered what I, the, you know, the my opinion or what would, what would matter. You know, because I was, by then I was, you know, pretty famous for making my products here and, and gotten pretty big. Well, I left his office. I said, wow, if he's a president, he's going to be the greatest president ever. Well, I walked in. I talked to a lot of his employees, and every one of them said the same thing. They said, they said, great man, great leader, but it was very interesting. Every one of them said something personal that he had done for them to help them out. Every one of them that I talked to, he goes, and I got a story for you. He helped me when nobody else would, didn't, you know, and that just meant so much. I go, wow, this is the, what I just seen. Is, it seems like the real deal now. Hmm. It was like a confirmation. Came back to Minnesota. And I said, I got to do a press release. I was the media's darling, everybody. I could say, <laughs> I'm going to walk across the street, uh, and they'd be 10 people. Hey, how fast are you going to How many more employees are you hiring? Wow, the American dream. You went from a crack addict to getting saved to this uh, you know, huge company made in America. And, well, I, went to, I did the press release, and all I said in it was, I met Donald Trump, 
in a, in a meeting. I didn't even say what we talked about. And the media turned on me and attacked me like I've never been attacked. And wow. I go, what? I go, what is this? I go, I didn't understand it. I'm going, what did they, you know, it threw me for a loop, but boy, that was good training for what was to come later on. So, anyway, when that happened, I went all in. I so, went all in. I said, there must be some evil behind this. So let's talk about uh, what you've been doing uh, the recently, last three or three and a half years. You were gung-ho that the 2020 election was not exactly fair and honest, more so than almost anybody. You did these seminars with PhDs and a bunch of other yep. things. Uh, you There were boycotts against you a bunch of other things um then let's go to the present day there were times where some of the programming on fox news you were the only ad that you would see on controversial shows like tucker carlson and uh, and so forth a couple of weeks ago it's reported that you're not advertising on fox news anymore Fox News is saying it's because you're not paying your bill. Uh, you had a little bit more of a, a, a nuanced perspective on that. What's the story, Mike? Why? Give us the straight dope. Why are people right. not okay. seeing your ads on Fox News anymore? Okay. Well, you got to take it back, everybody, to January of 2021. After January 6th, on January 7th and 8th, the, the day they tried to turn out our voices forever. 1.2 million Americans were deplatformed, and the rest were too scared to speak out about the election or, or Donald Trump because of January 6th. On January 9th, I was handed evidence that explained why that all I had done my own investigation. There were all these counties in the United States and states where all these people had voted that didn't live there. And I go, people are good people. I can't imagine 4,000 people running into Wisconsin going, hey, let's go vote for Biden. It didn't make sense. I, I, I look at numbers and it didn't make sense. Well, on January 9th, I was handed evidence that did make sense because it was computers. So I never let up. And by the spring of, and, and when I started talking about it loudly, all of us, I got the biggest boycott. 22 retailers dropped the number one product they've ever had. Every single box store across the country. I, I got banned at Twitter um, and you name it, they, they, boy, they boycotted and, and just banned me just to kick out their number one product just because I'm speaking out about, hey, I have this, I have this, doesn't anybody care? Well, by the spring of 21, I went on Jimmy Kimball to get the word out. And he attacked me there, but he asked me one thing. He said, Mike, if your friend Donald Trump had been selected, like you say, would you still be sounding the alarm? And I said, absolutely, I would. This isn't a Democrat or Republican thing. This mm. is a people. We have a big problem with our election platforms. Now, I got attacked and attacked and attacked. Then it kind of, then it let, it let up everything that could be boycotted. I got boy. The last one was Walmart, I think, a year ago. And, um, but you name it, they had all the, all the um, shopping channels. So then you bring it up to this August, everybody. In August, I came out with a plan to secure our elections to get us to paper ballots, hand-counted, same-day voting, a beautiful plan I laid out in August. From that time on, my pillow got attacked and canceled like no time in history. Wow. And it's all about because their CEO is to secure election. What happened is one after another, I got debanked, demerchants, uh, merchant server left, American Express squished, all the, all the creditors out there, vendors, if I had 90-day credit, they squished it to 30. Fox was the last one on, in November. 
They said, you know what, your normal 90-day credit, we want 60-day credit. They went from 12 weeks to eight weeks, and we complied. We spend about a million dollars a week we were spending on on Fox. Went all the way through December, and then we went to do our ads in uh, uh, our new commercials to test them, and they said no. And uh, we were very, uh, you know, I put out, I, I thought it was because uh, we added Lou Dobbs to my network. I have Lindell TV. We added him on a Monday, and they did this on a Wednesday, and uh, two or three days before the Iowa caucus. Mm. Now, I do have breaking news on that, though. I think, because I have a media company that buys from them. I don't buy from them directly. And uh, I just heard when today that they might have worked out something um, so I'll do, you know, stay tuned for that. So well, yeah, we'll, keep you, an eye, know, we'll, we'll keep yeah, an eye out for that. And you know you're right. Go ahead. And you know you are right about one thing with all the, back in the day with Tucker, I don't take, I advertise on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. It didn't matter. I kept politics. I was, right. This is my employee-owned company. And, they, and whatever we can get to help the employees and our customers, we're going to do. Uh, so, Mike, how are you doing these days? You're not exactly destitute, are you? Do I need to give you a loan or something? No, what I've got, what the, the part the part that I have to, you know, I did have lawyer. That was very famous. You know, we were paying $2 million for these uh, frivolous uh, lawfare lawsuits. And and uh, we, we got different lawyers. I talked to the lawyers before they left. I said, I've got to I've got to get, uh, you know, get I'm a businessman. We're going to get you can't keep paying that kind of money. So we got we, we switched law firms to a lot uh, lesser rate. And then also, uh, but the biggest thing is I put tens of millions of dollars in to everything for these platforms across the country. Had nothing to do with defense. This was to go out, uh, any, to investigate, um, to get rid of the electronic order machines and get paper ballots. And I've been doing that for two years, and that's with LindellPlan.com. And now that's, I'm out of money for that. I'm completely out of money. So I can't. So that's when I've reached out to the public to, you know, to go to LindellPlan.com and help it out. We were 90 percent there and we need to have fair elections like uh, Argentina did it in four months. Taiwan just did one. You have all over the world. You have uh, where they have uh, paper ballots hand counted where people trust their elections. Uh, on that note, Mike, we're going to have to end it there. It's great to talk with you. I appreciate you spending some time with us late at night. And uh, I can't think of anybody now that we're on in Minnesota that we would rather kick things off with than you. Thank you, my friend. Best of luck to you. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Mike Lindell. Uh, check him out, MyPillow.com. Questions, comments, thoughts, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.